Welcome to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast. Conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now, here are your hosts, Ed Stetzer and Daniel Yang. Welcome to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast, where we're helping Christian leaders navigate and lead through the cultural issues of our day. My name's Daniel Yang, the National Director of Churches of Welcome at World Relief, and today we're talking to Brian Carter. Brian's the pastor of Concord Church in Dallas, Texas, a thought leader, connector, and dynamic communicator. He's committed to serving the city of Dallas and beyond through working towards city transformation, building stronger families, and economic development. He's also the author of Made to Last, Eight Principles to Build Long-Lasting Relationships, But before we talk to Brian, we want to remind you that if you're enjoying our interviews, be sure to leave us a review. Now let's go to Ed Setzer, Editor-in-Chief of Outreach Magazine and the Dean of the Talbot School of Theology. Well, Brian, we're going to talk about preaching. I'm very excited about it. We're also going to talk about relationships because you've got a new book about That's that. Great. But, I mean, so many of us know you in and around the space of preaching. We're going to get to the EK Belly Preaching Conference and more. But you've been serving the church for 20 years. What have you learned about preaching after 20 years? Oh, my goodness. That's a great question. I thought we'd start at the yeah. top. <laughs> what do you learn? What do you know? Tell us everything. <laughs> you know, um, it's it's an evolution, right? Mm. You, you never arrive. It is a constant mm. work. I, I love, you know, as a pastor, you've got the preaching and leadership right. that you're constantly shepherding. You're mm-hmm. constantly trying to manage both of those. But I have to say, I just love the, the privilege to be able to handle God's word each week, yeah. right? If I mess up or, yeah. or if I, it's, I, I come back the next week, yep. but it's been a joy to preach to a congregation for 20 years, yeah. to be able to walk through different genres, yep. different seasons. It's uh, I'm learning to just continue to find joy in the process. Mm -hmm. I'm learning to continue to be studious in the process, continue to sharpen myself. I'm learning to give myself grace and and just really just lift the word up in such a way that my heart is that our congregation will have a deeper and deeper love for the word of God. I mean, that's my I want them to fall in love with the scriptures. And and I think I mean you you're you're you know just such an amazing preacher and communicator. Uh, you've bridged uh, in, in some ways into you know, you're rich in the African American preaching tradition but also engaged where we're actually right now at the Right Now Conference, which right. is, you know, it's a multi-ethnic conference, but right. but, but it's not specifically in the African-American space. So so what draws people, and I'm, I'm asking you, yeah. I'm asking, what draws people to your preaching? What people say, I, this is what I want to hear, this is why I come to hear, because people are drawn to your preaching. What do you think that is? That's a good question. I, I th- what I hear yeah. is that, they can relate to it. Okay. They can understand it. Mm-hmm. Whether I'm a child or a teenager, we yep. all can find it. So for some way, I think God has given me an ability, I hope, to be able to just make it tangible. Yeah. And so that's my hope is that people can walk away and say, okay, I can go do that. So I've been able to be in any different spaces. I right. kind of picked that up from my, my mentor, Pastor Bailey, Dr. Right. Bailey, who was in a lot of different circles, was, sure. a lot of different spaces. Yeah. And that was one of the things I admired about him was his ability to to, to function in different mm-hmm. settings. And so um, thankfully I'm, I'm learning and continuing to grow in that space. Yeah, so so you do that remarkably well and it's obviously intentional because I, you know, I just listened to you preach. I now have a new rule in my writer. It's never preach after you. So that's a new rule that I'm gonna put down there. So, so but talk to us a little bit about, obviously like today we're preaching at a conference right. and we both preach at conferences. Right. That could be a different experience. But week after week after week, what does your sermon preparation look like? People are always asking me, remember our audience sure. is pastors and church leaders right. and everyone's going to be a preacher, but they're right. going to be Bible teachers. So how long does it take? What do you do? It, it, to the point where it's a little bit pedantic, how do you prepare for a sermon? You know, so ideally, right? Ideally, I want to start 
with sermon planning. Okay. I'm going to start trying to plan out hopefully a year, mm -hmm. if not a year, six months, three months at a time, okay. so I know where I'm and going. And what do you do? Do you, like, do you take a retreat T to do typically, this? Typically, I'm going to do that sometime, ideally during my vacation in July, kind of okay. August, okay. kind of July, summertime. Do you, do you take some of that off July, August? I'm going to take, I take about three to four weeks off okay. in right. the summer. Okay. And one of those weeks I'm going to use, or maybe a couple days, yep. I'm going to use that to start thinking about my preaching Sketching for the fall, for the, fall for the next the 12 months. The gotcha. okay. And then I may, at the same time, I'm going to take breaks throughout the year a little bit just to kind of look at it, mm -hmm. tweak it. But my mm -hmm. hope is to get a 12-month plan. It okay. doesn't always happen. Right. Uh, I may get three months or I may not get anything. Yeah, he may yeah, just yeah. say, hey, go with this book yeah. for this season. And so for me, it starts there because once it starts there, then I can begin if, if on a weekly basis, Monday morning, I'm going to give about four hours from about 7 to 11. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do my exegetical work. Okay. I'm going to look at the Bible. I'm going to read it in several versions. I'm going to start looking at the text, making observations. I'm going to start doing work studies. I'm going to do as much work on Monday and Tuesday, mm -hmm. eight hours, four and four, okay. to try to really get a handle on. And is that all? Because you said exegetical work on Monday. Do you keep? Is it, I'm going to keep doing it on Tuesday. Tuesday Monday and Tuesday, work. I'm doing okay. the same okay. Work. Okay. I'm, I'm looking at word studies. Yep. I'm looking up in the dictionaries. Yep. I'm looking at at the languages. I'm looking at the commentaries. Yep. So I'm, I'm taking. What, notes. Are you using tools for that? Or you got I'm using books out primarily you? Logos okay, and some of my library. Okay, great. So between great, gotcha. those two okay. tools, Logos mm -hmm. and my library, yep. that's where I'm spending the bulk of my time. Yeah. Uh, really trying to get uh, a good handle mm -hmm. on what the text is saying, and really just taking notes. Yep. Right, just taking notes verse by verse. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at each verse, and I'm just taking notes okay. in a word document trying to do my research. Right. My goal is by Wednesday to have an outline. Okay. My hope is that by Wednesday, I have an outline of, of the passage. Mm -hmm. And then at that point, I then start working on the manuscript, okay. start working on the introduction, the conclusion, transitions. And my hope is by Thursday, mm -hmm. they have a fully manuscript message. Mm -hmm. So and you then, manuscript the whole thing? I'm writing out every word. Okay. Okay. Um, it really helps me to get my thoughts clear. Mm -hmm. Even though I may preach without notes, right. it, it helps me to really think clearly okay. and succinctly about what I'm trying to accomplish. Yep. And then uh, Friday and Saturday are probably uh, two to three hours, just, you know, nothing heavy, mm -hmm. right? But mm -hmm. just I may think about it, look about, look at it again. And then Sunday morning, again, looking at it, trying to prepare so that Sunday morning we can share. But that's in a great. So here's the tension, right? I have my kids are, old, are getting older, but between our kids uh, my son has basketball practice at five fifteen every morning, and, oh. and he's learning to drive. So, oh. so my Dude, I don't know it, how the last couple to drive, of years, I remember those years, man. <laughs> the last couple, <laughs> couple, my my preparation yeah. time yeah. was being was I was dealing with it's that compressed. It was being compressed. Okay, so in the ideal world, yeah, uh, we got hours on Monday, Tuesday, four yeah. four. Yeah. So give me the rest of the hours for the week. It's probably it's probably four for four days. Yeah. Four for four days. That's okay. sixteen. Okay. And then probably another two two two. So I'm probably around around twenty hours. Okay. Is about okay. how much time it takes if, me. You wanted to, but then you get compressed. If it gets compressed, because because a lot of a lot of you know a lot of people listen to might be bivocational or things yeah. of that sort. So when it gets compressed, what's that look like? So when it gets compressed, you just may not be able to do as much exegetical work right. as you need right. as you may in another case, right. right? So you may get in two hours mm -hmm. and use those two hours each day yeah. and still get to yeah. a great product, right? Okay. Depending on what your sure. work schedule allows you to mm -hmm. do. Okay. And so it's nothing wrong with using less time. Right. It's just you you got to 
<laughs> you have to say in your mind, this yep. is enough. Because yep. if you know, if you don't, then you'll keep going right. and you'll keep redoing right. it. And, re and at some point, you got to trust the Lord. Okay, Lord, I've given you the best I can mm -hmm. with this time and honor him in that. Okay, so, so, that's my so the manuscript thing's interesting to me uh, because, you know, Eric Geiger, my, my, my pastor, I serve as a teaching pastor there at Mariner's Church. He's a manuscriptor, right. but then he memorizes it, which is a whole nother, right. a whole nother thing for right. another day. Right. Um, but why why the manuscript? Because, you know, it's not, I would say most don't do a manuscript. They do an outline, maybe a robust outline. I'm a sure. robust outline kind of person. Why manuscripting? I think it was just a practice I picked up early on. Mm -hmm. I think my preaching was shaped through the preaching, through the E.K. Bailey Preachings right. Conference, through Dallas Seminary, and then yep. just others that I admired right. in preaching. And Dallas, and, is there a manuscript or place? It wasn't demanded. Okay. They, they were an outline. Right, right, right. Uh, there was required for class. Sure, sure. But somewhere I, I picked up on mm -hmm. manuscripting early, and uh, it just it fit. So really, it like, really if you, the whole, like, all the words are manuscript. All the words. So, so yeah. in the event that I have to read it, yeah. I can read it and go back and forth. Right. Or in the event that I decide to internalize right. it, right, then I can do that. But, uh, but it just gives me options. The Excellent. other advantage yeah. I've found, of course, as you know, I can go back, right. I can totally. tweak it. I mean, yeah, but, totally. but, but somehow it just became a habit. And it just stuck. And when you bring up to the pulpit, what are you bringing into the pulpit? Do you, so, is it a piece of paper? Is it an iPad? What? So years ago, right, you would, I would print out 10, 12 pages. Oh, sure. And I'd be Flip working them pages. Yep. pages yep. 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 And then I would, then I, then I said, I'll do a, an outline. Yeah. So I would, I would boil it down to one double sided. Then the iPad came along. Oh, I love and the so iPad. I, you know what's the need of outline? I know I the, just, the iPads know, are like game changer, man. It just man. changes everything. So do you, are, are you? Do they have the whole manuscript? I have there? the whole manuscript. And do you have I'm like just, your points bolded or something? I have it bold, and I okay. just keep. I you just, just keep have going. all of it up there. Man, I, when I, I watch you preach, man, I can't tell. I, but I cannot tell that you are oh, looking huh. down this. And I guess that's what you want. You don't want to feel like you're reading it. Right. I remember interviewing Mark Dever once while he used the manuscript. In a sense, he used it to sort of control his big personality uh, and so there was another reason that's there but your big personality comes out when you preach it so it's a you know it's interesting delivery and finding your comfort zone yeah. and your approach it's an evolution yeah, right yeah, you know you you yeah. watch yourself in different yeah. seasons mm -hmm. and you're using different tools to try to figure out how to be most effective. okay so then when you're using, um, you're using. I've seen you use mnemonic devices. I've seen you use, uh, you know, you, you repetition, parallelism. Use all these kind of things. That's all written in the manuscript ahead of time. Well, some of that is not. Right? Some of that, right. so, some of that, some of that is spontaneous. Okay. Uh, as you're kind of reading the room yeah. and kind of sensing mm -hmm. where things okay. are. But so I you were lying to me about having a manuscript well, and following a manuscript. No, the bulk of it's there. Yeah, but you write it out, and then then you can riff off of it. You as can you riff go. off of it. Okay. As you need okay. To. All right. So then, when what do you like? And again, I'm I'm just trying to sure. reflect. So in my experience, I write out a, a you know memorable catchy phrase. I want to I want to stick the phrase right. this days. Right. 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 And so I'll italicize that, so I'll know that that's coming. But it's still you know I have a pretty robust outline. So 16 to 18 pages is oh, typically wow. what I'm taking okay. into okay. the pulpit. Okay. Very robust outline. But I also know. That I've got some phrase, some of the phrase that stays. I've got some things I'm going to communicate. Do you mark those things out? If I look at your manuscript, would I tell, or how do you do that? No, you you wouldn't tell. It, okay, it, it, it it's would, just words and it's in just a, a word okay. document. Okay. and then the only parts that are bolded are uh, the type, the type, the sub, the, it's the point one, point two. Point right, that's right. it. Everything else just looks like okay. a. So how a do you then? Because you clearly are using. Um, mnemonic devices, you're using phrases that people remember. Is that in the manuscript or is that just stuff you bring it up as no, it's coming? I think it's in the manuscript. But it's not bolded or but italicized. It's not bolded or okay. italicized. I okay. think 
if I can get it done by Thursday mm-hmm. and I've got and I think that's what the other the other advantage I found with the manuscript, it helps me internalize it. Okay. As I'm writing it out, as I'm, it's helping oh, me. Oh, I can see it's, that. It's the yeah. process. If so I was preaching every week, I think I'd probably do a manuscript it, now. It, it helps yeah. me so that I don't, the, the, at least from my perspective, mm-hmm. it just helps me to internalize right. Right. what I'm going what I'm Well, and when you're, again, I'm not preaching every week. Right. When you're preaching every week, it forces you to, to not fall back on what you said last time, et cetera, et cetera. So, so that's super helpful. Okay. So then, and I want to kind of, let's talk about black preaching sure. and the black preaching tradition. Sure. And because... I mean, a lot of people would know, A lot of, maybe our listeners don't know what the E.K. Bailey Preaching Conference is. Sure. A whole lot will. Right. So what's the E.K. Bailey Preaching Conference? Because, I mean, it's amazing. It is. The E.K. Bailey Preaching Conference is a conference on expository preaching. Yep. It was founded by Dr. E.K. Bailey, who was really, um, really one of the pioneers. Expository preaching existed sure. for a long time sure. in black preaching, but in the 90s, um, he God just gave him mm-hmm. a, an incredible platform, an incredible vision mm-hmm. to really create a space where expository preaching can be championed, mm-hmm. can be trained, can be modeled. And so he created this conference uh, in the mid-90s and invited uh, scholars, yeah. academics, pastors, and put them together. Yep. Uh, and, it, and it's the, really the first African-American con- of its nature in this kind of context. Right. In that expository, you know, that, there's, in that the kind of tradition. there's all kinds of other right. ministers' conferences. Right. But, but this was, is focused on expository this preaching. This is focused specifically on expository preaching. When I, when I came, the first time I came, the workshops were on word studies, how to study the Bible, yeah. hermeneutics. I mean, yeah. it, it was getting to the nuts and bolts sure. of of how to handle preaching, along with some of the valued parts of the African American tradition of right. preaching with intonation and all. So, I mean, it he put Warren Wisby and <laughs> and Stephen Olford and A.L. Yeah. Patterson and E.V. He, he and he put all these people yeah. in one room yeah. and let us Gardner C. Taylor and let us learn yeah. and glean and grow together. Amazing. And so Amazing. it was this incredible and still is right. Yeah. We've we've honored that tradition yeah. and but 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 a lot of particularly African-American preachers, sometimes didn't have access to seminary. Didn't sure. have access to Bible college. Right. This became, we have a certification program. Oh, yeah. it, it, become, oh, it has become the place where we can have training and be uh, equipped yeah. and be exposed to scholars and pastors and authors so that we can uh, walk away being the best scholars we can with the Word of God. Okay, and so then uh, this preaching conference, and right. of course you now lead the, you're, right. uh, you know, he, he's going to be with the Lord. Right. But well, what a preacher, too. Yes, anyway, another story. And, and again, you've right. followed in that legacy in such powerful ways. But a big part of that is is you're raising up preachers. Yes. You're challenging yes. new preachers in yes. that context as yes. well. Learning from one another. For those who don't know, just a little background. Olford, right. well, matter of fact, I took my preaching from the Olford uh, family at, oh, when wow. I was at Beeson Divinity School. And, wow. uh, and I was actually the interim of the church he pastored in New York oh, City. And I was the interim of Wearsby's old church, too. Oh, so it was sort of fun. <laughs> Moody and, and Calvary were those two yes. churches. Uh, but again, that was more expository sermon. Yes. Um, yes. But but also too in, in predominantly Anglo it spaces, was. not was. exclusively. They're, sure. they're you know Moody and, and Calvary multicultural churches. So, but one of the things is like even I think Olford would define expository preaching actually different than Wearsby. I could be wrong, but I think that they would describe and define it different from one another. And so, how when you talk about expository preaching, some people hear run and commentary. Sure. You know, some people hear. Well, something else. How are you describing and defining expository preaching? If I could define it more succinctly, yeah. it would be ultimately where 
the message of the text becomes the message of the sermon. Right. And the message to the original audience becomes the foundation right. in which we build bridges to mm -hmm. the audience of the day. So both grammatical, historical, cultural, we want to look at the entire context of the scriptures and then let that be the foundation mm -hmm. and the thrust and the focus of the sermon. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, our preaching, uh, black preaching has always been founded in the book. We've always been committed to the book, right. but haven't. But the preaching conference, what it does is it helps us um, even be more broad in our study of the scriptures mm -hmm. so that we can be that much more uh, effective, that much more clear, and that much more uh, effective in the preaching. So, okay. I mean, that's, that's kind effective, of... Effective, right. clear, effective yep. in the preaching. Yep. So talk to me about some of that. Then what advice would you give? So, you know, we have all kinds of listeners and some are, and we, and we love the fact that people are, you know, engaging in different cultural contexts. But for some, you know, you're making a case for expository sure. preaching and maybe they're topical or sure. thematic preachers. Sure. Why would you exhort them towards an expository ex expositional method? And I know that's a yeah. long answer, but just lean in a little bit. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm a proponent of expository preaching because I simply believe that is the foundation for what you see modeled in biblical preaching okay. throughout the scriptures. Okay. When you examine the, the sermons of both Christ and the sermons of Paul in the New Testament, this is what you see. You see this expounding of the scriptures to be able to illuminate the the full context of the scriptures. And so I believe this is the model that you see there. I believe it is the healthiest model because of how it honors the uh, authenticity and the authority of scripture mm -hmm. and the sufficiency of scripture. Uh, I, I, I'm a proponent for expository preaching because I believe it, it helps, I believe it, it allows us to honor the, it, it allows us to honor the way in which it, it believes it, it esteems the word of God in such a way so that our preaching holds up mm -hmm. that same value mm -hmm. and view. And I believe from a practical standpoint, it takes a lot of work off the preacher so that he doesn't have he or she doesn't have to feel like they are the ones having to <laughs> having to uh, promote their own thoughts. Come up with or something their this goals week. Yeah. Or ideas. Yeah. It lets the text do the work. Okay. It lets okay. God's word right. be the focus, the theme, and the impetus, and the thrust of the preaching. So okay. um, those are my brief ideas. Okay, so that. so expository preaching, mm -hmm. there's textbooks on it. You've had textbooks right. at Dallas. Right. You know, we at Talbot School of Theology, right. we do textbooks on this. Right. Um, many of the expository preaching textbooks, most of them aren't from the black preaching tradition. Of course. So, so how does that come together, and how do people, maybe people in the black church tradition, how do they respond to some of those ideas as you kind of live, continue to lead at the E.K. Bailey Expository Preaching Conference? You know, we, we have had to make sure that we balance and champion both. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes when books are written from the predominant pr culture, they can be written neglectful of the, the narrative of black preaching or the narrative of of the African-American experience. Mm -hmm. And so what we've had to do is sometimes marry the two together. Okay. We've had to value and read those mm -hmm. books, but then we also have to know our stories, know our traditions, know our experiences, and be able to bring those two together to bring um, to bring equity and to bring uh, the quality that's needed. So our emphasis on justice, our emphasis on oppression, our emphasis of the suffering that we've faced in this country, uh, we marry those two together to allow 
uh, expository preaching to reflect both. Okay, we're, we're talking at the Right Now Conference. I mentioned that because in case anyone can hear some of the music sure. in the background. So sure. I just want to mention that in case that comes through just a little bit. But, but okay, so, so but you just, Kent, you brought a message that was uh, textual, but not everyone here is bringing a message that's expository in nature. Sure. Matter of fact, I, I did a seminar, so it's different for different ones. So how do you, when someone doesn't preach expositorily, is that something that is deficient? Is that something you want to correct? Is that something you can rejoice with? And even in your own church, do you always preach through books of the Bible expositionally, or are there other times for topical and thematic? How do you feel about those things? It's topical and thematic, I think, are valuable. Mm -hmm. um, but I think at the end of the day, we still need to make sure that we value the scriptures okay. that we are using to be able to communicate those themes. Mm -hmm. I, I feel very uncomfortable, and I don't know if you can win we just take a thought and just run right. with it. Right? There's five things yeah, I read you, in psychology right. today with Bible verses out of <laughs> no, context to prove them. Right. right. <laughs> take a proof text and just exactly. make it okay. work. Yeah. I think no matter how our approach yeah. is, right, we can go thematic, we can go topical, mm -hmm. uh, we can do, we can, it doesn't matter the approach. Right. But I think foundationally, we have to make sure that we are adhering to the text and letting the, the theme and the thrust come from the passage, not from just our own Or else ideas. we're not people of the book. We're setting our own agenda we're, we're and kind of just giving advice. Right. Uh, okay, so I, I mentioned this before and I didn't follow up on it. So raising up new preachers. Okay, this is something that you, I mean, the E.K. Bailey Preaching Conference right. does this. And by the way, people can just go online or go in the show notes right. and find the E.K. Bailey Preaching Conference. It's open to everybody. That's right. It's a wonderful experience. You're primarily going to hear African-American preaching, but right. not exclusively. Right. Um, okay, so um, so how are you, what does it look like to raise up new preachers? Because, I mean, you've been doing this 20 years. We're, we're, you're not a new preacher anymore. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think... Um, I think it's an exciting time. I think, you know, the tension is that we have a responsibility. I mean, there's always been in the black church tradition a value on training up the young preachers. Mm -hmm. um, the, the young preachers would, would, would accompany the older preacher. When they would go preach, they would. In the older tradition, when you would say you had a call to preach, you might be asked to preach the next week. Oh, I know. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's, oh, yeah. it's a, uh, but there was this. It put you up. It, listen, it, it was, it, it, it was always esteemed, yeah. but there was always this desire to continue to cultivate right. and develop that next generation. And as a consequence, I think that's one of the reasons the conference is so important mm -hmm. is that it gives us a space to be able to train, yeah. equip. This past year, I had a pastor, I think he was maybe in the 60s, maybe yeah. 70s, and he brought a younger pastor with him that was in his 20s or 30s. He said, I, he said this is the conference that impacted me. Wow. I want to make sure wow. that I bring him introduced right. to it. So I think we got to provide opportunities. Right. We got to provide space. We got to be willing to, uh, to, to, to adjust the formats. Mm -hmm. um, we got to make room, right. right? Because I think young preachers have the temptation. They, they're they growing up in a different age mm -hmm. with social media and so many models that may not be the best models. And so I think it's important for us to um, to, to not only create room for them, have conversations with them, but also let them process it. You know, you, sure. you can't, this, developing a young preacher doesn't happen by just accident. Right. You, you have to make room for them to ask questions mm -hmm. about the sermon you preach, ask questions about how you're preparing right. that, ask questions about how does this happen so that they can grow and develop. I'm grateful for those that invested in me, and my hope is to, to do that for others that are on our staff, on our mm -hmm. team, but also even on a greater scale. Yeah, and, and it's hard to, it's hard to sometimes people in prevailing culture, in broader culture, to know how significant the 
the conference sure. was and is right. in African American ministerial development. Right. Um, it's it's a community that's there. So uh, it's, just for people who are not aware, because and, and their whole like our whole groups of sure. people, like right. I, I mentioned a couple others. Right. But so like people go for year after year right. after year, and they <laughs> continue to stay in touch. Just explain a little of that culturally. So I want you to imagine uh, your high school reunion. Yeah. I want you to imagine that high school reunion mm-hmm. that you went back to regularly. This is it. Yeah. I mean, this is a. It really is a tribe. It is a. Uh, it is a tribe that where we have been connected and committed to each other for quite some time. And so it's 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 your own. It's a part of your own maturation. Yeah. There are a few places where you can go and get. I think the quality of preaching mm-hmm. and training yeah. that's happened consistently at our conference. Yeah. And as a consequence, it becomes a regular part. They sure. put it on their calendar. Yep. They meet their friends here. They come here. They plan their preaching for the next year. Right. Uh, I mean, all of that. They're we're, both being we're modeling it, but you're in conversation right. at right. those meetings. Yeah. Right. So you're able to get all of that in one yeah. place so that when you leave, you don't only live with the friendships yeah. of catching up. You don't only live with the content. Yeah. But then you can say, you know what? For the next six months, each year we pick a book of the Bible to go right, through with right. the hope that when you leave, you can start preaching through that book of the Bible. Right. So you leave with the framework, the tools Amazing. to go back and say, you know what, in the fall, yeah. my fall series is this particular book. Because you've already worked through much you of worked it. You've worked through the book. So and talk to me about that. So when you look at a book of the Bible, what's hardest for what genre is hardest for you to preach through? Then I'm going to ask what's easiest. Maybe I'll start with what's easiest. What's well, either one? Easiest. Well, probably the most comfortable I feel are narratives. Yeah, I feel very comfortable okay. with narr- narratives. Feel comfortable with the epistles, uh, but it's the uh, wisdom. Yeah, poetry. It's tough. That's tough. It's tough, but it's just so out. There's a this, and then it's a whole other thought here, and there's this, and there's a whole other thought here. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I struggle uh, with with yeah. with that a bit, yeah. and so those are kind I of my. I, I think it could take like eight years to preach through proverbs because every one is a proverb, <laughs> right? And it's know. like whereas you narrative, you, you can you walk get, the text. Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah. got the framework. Okay. Yeah, okay. I can work with this. Okay, so all right, so a young preacher comes to you and says, um, you know, pastor. Um, you know, maybe they listen to this podcast and sure. they're like, okay, we've got the expository part. We're going to work through the text. We're yeah. going to use tools to do right. that, et cetera, right. et cetera. But your preaching is also uniquely compelling. So what are some things that you're doing to help people to engage? Because, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of people who are reading the Bible and explaining it, but what makes your preaching compelling, do you think, to people? Or maybe what advice, with this, what advice do you give someone else to make their preaching more compelling? I think we have to work to understand the culture. Okay. Um, Which so, is not always at the front of the mind of some people in expository preaching. Right, 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 right. I'm, yeah, I'm saying yeah. it's not all universally true, right. but oftentimes engaging the culture and verse-by-verse exposition aren't the two things that people put together in a sentence. Sure. So I, I, I think to be compelling, I think engaging the culture is, is valuable. Mm-hmm. So what does that look like? I think that... Of course, that's reading widely. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, that's watching current events. But it's also having a lot of conversations, yeah. right? That's your small group that you're a part of. Uh, that's that's talking with members. I, I had, for, for a number of years, I did focus groups with my members, and I would invite in uh, a cross-section of life of the church, and I would tell them the series I was planning and where I was going, and then give them an hour and let them just talk. Wow. And so the single mother, the the retiree, the teenager, the young adult, they gave me so much insight 
into stuff I just in my my you know my middle age mindset I wasn't thinking right. about and right. so understanding and 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 then and then also um this past weekend I was preaching on Sarah and the whole infertility mm-hmm. of Sarah is of course a big part of her story sure. and so I needed to figure out how do I speak to women while well, I was having a conversation two weeks ago with another woman that's going through infertility and she just really helped me unpack mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the feeling, the experiences, right. the nature. And so when I preached the sermon, the feedback I got from a couple of women were, I felt seen. Wow. Okay. You know? Yeah. So I think to be compelling, I think it's really engaging into the life of the people I'm communicating to, the right. life of my church family, reading the prayer mm-hmm. requests, talking to the counseling yeah. team, what are the themes yeah. that you're seeing in the counseling room? I think it's trying to get a, a good handle on it from a cultural con- mm-hmm. perspective so that as we preach, we can preach it, of course, through the lens of Scripture, but also through the hearing the lives of how it's landing and how they're processing this in their own ways. Love it, love it. And that's that's uh, a real challenge sometimes. And sometimes people struggle who really have high view of the text. How do I engage the context? I did the homiletic lectures at Moody Bible Institute and, and just even, you know, helping people see, no, we, we want to have a high view of the text and engage right, the we context. We can do both. So course of a year, you plan it out. What percentage are you, like Old Testament, New Testament? Are you always working through a book of the Bible? Give us just an overview of what that typically, in a typical year. I know it might be different this year. So every year is, typically I would have five to six series Mm -hmm. each year. Uh, I try to deal with Old Testament, New Testament, gospel. Then I would deal with maybe one or two, one on relationships, um, and then one kind of special interest, okay. right? So that's typically okay. what I would well, look so at. So the one on relationships, what does that look like? It's going to be marriage, right. family, parenting, are you gonna, singleness. Are you going to, like like Spurgeon would take a text and just go through that one text? Or are you going to bring in multiple texts? Because you're not working through a book if you're doing marriage and singleness. Right. So if I'm doing, so I'm going to pick one of those. Yep. So I may do the whole series okay. on parenting, gotcha. whole series on singleness. So right. that way I'll look at what are the key themes. Right. Or what kind of theology of mm-hmm. marriage can we see from the scriptures right. and pick one, normally one one, and just one main with, verse yeah in that one text. main okay. that's typically and, how but I'm sometimes go. not just one sometimes, sometimes it's more than just, one sometimes okay. it's more than so, one so and what percentage of the the diet over the year uh-huh. is verse by verse exposition through books um, it, probably what percentage per year. Yeah. Is it two thirds of the time? Is it half the time? It's probably two thirds of okay, the time. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. 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 Two thirds of yeah. the time. So. Yeah. So two thirds time. But the that doesn't mean I'm going through every chapter. It yeah. just may. It may. If like I'm going through the Book of Genesis now, it'll be twelve chap. Twelve books. Twelve chapters from twelve sermons okay. from Genesis. Because Genesis is longer than yeah. twelve. Yeah. Typically, right. Chapters and sermons. Right. It's, it's a long. There's a lot to cover. Right. So in Genesis, it's twelve, which is so. typically what I'm gonna do okay. in the bigger books. Okay. So now, like epistles, you can manage. Yeah. Those. Sure. 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 But yeah, Jude's. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You can manage those. Typically. And call it a day. Let me be honest with you. This is the first year for me. Typically, out. My series were were four to six weeks okay. for a long oh, okay. time. Okay. That was what I was mm-hmm. kind of taught, and uh, but the last this year especially, I've gone twelve weeks twice, and that's never happened for me oh, in quite a while. Okay. And I have I've absolutely loved it. it yeah, has yeah, been yeah. The best. Is it has Genesis been one of the Blake? Because so you go long with, in Genesis. I did long. I did and this year. I, I did Joshua in January, and yeah. I did Genesis this one. Nice. And I've just kind of I normally would do new and old, but I just have been just been kind of really following the Lord's leading good. about where I wanted That's to good. be. So. Last question. If I were to uh, 
know you and you're preaching better, what's one thing I would be asking right now to say? And you say, no, Ed, you got to know this about how I'm preaching. Because we're looking for your advice. What's one thing if I knew you better, I would have asked it. I really need to know that'll help us understand your preaching and how you, how you prepare and preach God's word. Man, I think we've covered most yeah. of it. Man, it's, it's a pretty simple process. Right? Well, I don't, that seemed, didn't seem like a simple process at all. I, I, I would just say, but here's the, here's the thing. I'm trying yeah. to, because what you described is not dissimilar to what a lot of preachers yeah. would describe, yeah. describe who yeah. aren't, you're just, you'd have a different level of compelling preaching that um, that's something more than what you learned at Dallas. It's something more than, and, and, and so I'm trying to, I've tried to have great communicators articulate what's that element of it that you think makes a difference that's a good point i i, I don't know if i actually know what the okay. element is okay. that that helps okay. it that helps it be what it is okay then give me a closing just closing what advice would you give to preachers in our last question i would say be a student okay i would say be a student of the word of mm -hmm. course be a student of culture i would say be a student of creativity mm -hmm. i would say uh be a be a student of i learn I learn preaching from. I just I'm always looking. See? I watch all kinds and of think, styles and of I, preaching. And I think that was the I answer watch, that you I didn't give a minute ago. Yeah. I watch all kinds of styles of yeah. preaching. I watch uh, all kinds of context of yep. preaching. I watch pr uh, presentations from yeah. TED Talks. Yeah. I watch uh, comedians. Yep. I, I watch I, if there's a communicator yep. happening. Yeah. I'm going to watch communication. I'm going to study it yeah. and just figure out what I can learn. Right? I mean, yeah. it's to me communication and preaching. I, you have to be a student, and you have to always want to get better. And so I'm always taking notes. I'm always learning. I'm always watching. I'm always trying to grow either personally yep. in my own life or grow in terms of how I communicate God's word. So that's that's something that that is something I always try to do. Thanks, Brian. Thank you, my friend. You've been hearing from Brian Carter. Be sure to check out his book, Made to Last, Eight Principles to Build Long-Lasting Relationships. You can learn more about Brian at briancarter.org. And thanks again for listening to the Sets of Church Leaders podcast. You can find more interviews as well as other great content for ministry leaders at churchleaders.com slash podcast. And again, if you find our conversation today helpful, love for you to take a few moments to leave us a review that help other ministry leaders find us and benefit from our content. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. You've been listening to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast. For more great interviews, as well as articles, videos, and free resources, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.